Welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're growing a brand around your nerdy passion, you can learn from business and marketing podcasts, or you can learn from nerds like you. This is the show built by bloggers, cosplayers, gamers, artists, and other entrepreneurs that are making the things you love. How's it going, entrepreneurs? Welcome to episode 71 of the Entrepreneur Podcast by Under the Capes. I'm your host, Tim Ludy, and I've got a great episode for you today. I'm talking with Dave and Ted from Nerdarchy, a multi-platform content creator focused on Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games. Um, they are a really uh, great all-around brand. They over have over 3,300 videos on YouTube with advice, guides, reviews, and other D&D-related content. They also provide content through Patreon, blog posts, Nerdarchy merchandise on their website, uh, Adventures and Supplements. And last year, they fully funded the first Kickstarter for Out of the Box Encounters for 5th Edition, which was fully funded in 48 hours, and then they smashed through stretch goals for the rest of the Kickstarter. And... The Out of the Box is a really cool product that I'm excited about. It offers Dungeon Masters everything they need to drop an encounter right into their game. So it's counter, the, the villain, the maps, everything. So you can, it makes it very easy for Dungeon Masters and a very, very complete um, tool for them. And one of the stretch goals during the Kickstarter was Nerdarchy the Convention. So they will be hosting a a tabletop role-playing convention in Philadelphia in 2021, uh, in October of 2021. And it got pushed back from the original 2020 dates uh, due to everything that's going on, but 2021 i'm really excited to be a part of that and um yeah i think they're they're gonna do some some really cool stuff giving giving attendees more access to a lot of the the content creators and dungeon masters in the community nerdarchy also recently launched a second youtube channel nerdarchy live which offers live and long form content including their daily live interviews with members of the tabletop role-playing community. And I'm actually going to be on it this Thursday, talking to Nerdarchy, Thursday, June 18th at 12 p.m. Eastern. Um, and that will be available afterwards if you're listening to this way down the road. But um, yeah, hopefully you can join for that. That should be a lot of fun. And this was a really great interview with them. They... I mean, 3,300 videos, so we definitely talk a lot about their production process as they're releasing multiple videos a week, and and during the pandemic, they're they're up to uh, uh, like seven or eight videos a week <laughs> or more, um, and we talk about their, their successful Kickstarter launch, organizing the convention, future plans, and a lot of great stuff for... YouTubers, event organizers, people trying to launch a product on Kickstarter. I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this. So let's dive right in. 
All right. I'm now joined by Dave and Ted from Nerdarchy. Uh, guys, thanks for taking some time to talk with me. Yeah, no thanks problem. for inviting us on. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about how you got started with Nerdarchy? All right. So, uh, so Nerdarchy, uh, we just celebrated a birthday, actually, of becoming a business entity. Uh, the, the fourth was actually year six for us. Uh, we actually pretty much, I want to say... 2014, the end of 2013, you know, conceptually it became a thing. We were discussing uh, me and my my youngest brother Ryan, who's now off doing his own thing with art. Um, he was moving from New Mexico back to the Philadelphia area. We are just outside of that, and he wanted to do something you know nerdy and businessy at the same time and have been talking about like indie board games and stuff. And I'm like, that's not really my thing, but you know, we can check it out and see what's out there. And we decided we would like start a YouTube channel. So we went through every iteration of geek and nerd for, uh, dot coms and finally landed on nerdarchy.com. And it would be, uh, in January, 2014, we'd actually start. And I believe that's right around when we tapped Ted to, to join us and get involved with our nerdy shenanigans. And at that time we didn't even know what nerdarchy was really going to be. Like we had started with this concept of we wanted to do nerdy geeky things and talk about them. And then we would kind of build an audience and see what they wanted from us was kind of um, like the Genesis. And it was a little bit after that we brought in one of, Ted's longtime friends and, and, you know, me and Ryan knew him as, for quite some time as well in our early gaming group, uh, Nate. So essentially it was the four of us for a, for a few years. And it was actually in July of 2014 that Wizards of the Coast had released their basic rules for 5e D&D. Up until that time, we'd been doing videos and articles that were more generic about RPGs and tabletops, mainly with deviating into some other topics that we would talk about but it wasn't until i want to say we started doing those 5e videos that the audience actually picked what nerdarchy was about um they just responded really well to it and not only that we we actually genuinely really connected with that edition of the game and so it was really easy for us to go oh we're just going to be talking about this thing primarily and we were having a lot of fun with it you know, Dave and I both have a, a long history with role-playing games and specifically, you know, with, with D&D. That's, that's always been our go-to game. Uh, you know, Dave started when he was really young. I started in my, you know, early teens. Uh, you know, he started with first edition. I started with, you know, advanced second. And it was something that, you know, it was there. And, you know, while we dabbled in board game design and we dabbled in, you know, just general nerdy topics, you know, there weren't a lot of other YouTube channels that were, you know, a group dynamic. It was always just, you know, the, the talking head videos, one person sitting in front of a camera and delivering. So we wanted to do something that was a little bit more, you know, conversational, you know, a back and forth, you know, you know situation. Uh, and, and that's where things kind of, you know, rolled to and rolled from. And yeah, it definitely, it seems like luck was a factor a little bit where, you know, you were, you were set up, you had already started your show and then, you know, fifth edition came along and it just happened to be the most popular edition the, the games ever had. And, and you guys kind of hit it at that perfect time, but it's also, 
you were already set up and doing things and kind of well positioned to strike when something like that came along. Right. Yeah. And, and I, oh, honestly, we didn't even know they were coming out with a new edition. We had, we had kind of moved away and were playing other games um, that weren't even D and D based. We had been playing mutants and masterminds a lot at the time and probably for a couple of years. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of a, a fluke for us, you know, the, the perfect st- storm of pre- you know, preparation and opportunity meeting. Yeah. And also, you know, a, a, I'm sure a big part of, of your growth has been just the sheer amount of content you're putting out, whereas you're you're deeply covering the 5e topic and you're you're very consistently over six years have put out. I don't know how many videos at this point. <laughs> over three thousand, I believe. It's just wow. over three thirty-three hundred. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we've gone through you know different uh, iterations of you know what our schedule is. You know, I have a very um, you know uh, you know my, my hours are, are very fluid with my with my job, and Dave, uh, you know is working the business full time. So, I mean, we've got the ability to be like, okay, well, you know, when do we want to shoot? When do we want to do this? When do we want to do that? Um, so we've had the the capacity of saying, okay, you know, well, at one point in time, you know, we were putting out, you know, one video a day, Monday through Friday. And then we're like, oh, okay, well, this is doing well. Let's double it. So we were recording 10 videos a week and then, you know, doing a live show. Uh, and then, you know, we were doing live, you know, Monday through Friday, you know, so at one point in time, it was like 16 videos a week that, you know, Nerdarchy was having and, you know, that kind of hit a, you know, uh, an overfill, an overflow at that point in time. So, you know, we kept trying out different things and, you know, we've moved into a, you know, you know, a different schedule every time, you know, things change just to shake things up and see, uh, you know, what other things we should try. Yeah, yeah. I guess like Ted said, basically a lot of experimentation. Um, you know, early, you know, early on, we actually, you know, we would do like three videos a week. Then we went to a, a video a day, and then like Ted said, we really cranked it up. And w- with that, what we were kind of looking at is like the video gamer YouTuber model, right? And it's like that's what they kind of did. So we we emulated that with a lot of micro content, uh, which was which was actually kind of a very grueling schedule. Me and Ted would meet like twice a week and shoot, you know, shoot, you know, five, six videos at a time, maybe more. Occasionally we couldn't make that, that second, uh, filming. So we'd have to do it all in one shot. So you're doing like 10 videos at a time, which was, which was rough. And, and those videos, you know, while, you know, the content is fun and, and what have you, you know, is definitely, you know, shows a little bit of our inexperience that we would just show up and be like, hey, what do you want to film? You know, what do you want to do? And we'd turn on the camera and we would just talk and, you know, be like, all right, that's a video. And so some videos were, you know, 10, 20 minutes. Other videos were like 45. Yeah. So like, you know, if you're doing 10 of those, you know, that, that's a long day. Yeah, so what is the process now? Are you still batching the videos where you're doing several in a day? How much prep are you doing ahead of time for these? What's the what's the process like? So that, that's changed quite a bit. You know, before, you know, we had a video idea list and we still use that. But now we'll meet the day before we film. And, you know, we, we generally shoot three to four videos at a time, um, depending how much of a backlog we have, you know, just in case. And that meeting beforehand is we just kind of highlight and bullet point, you know, 
the flow of the video and the things that we want to try and hit within it. It's not, I wouldn't call it a script, uh, but you know, we do, we do workshop them ahead of time. Yeah. This, this makes for better, better content. You know, it doesn't, doesn't have us repeating ourselves, you know, cause that's definitely happened uh, in, in previous videos. And, you know, it, it gives, as Dave says, you know, the order, the flow so that everything, you know, has a, you know, a proper continuity. Yeah, it definitely seems like the videos where you've you very carefully have outlined what you're going to cover and and kind of get through it are are definitely the more the more rich in information and and the more valuable. But it's all you know it's all been our learning pro- process. And you know when we first started out, you know, I would say there weren't a lot of people doing D and D YouTube content well. Even the people that were do- were good at it were just, they were just naturally good at it. They would just turn on a camera and they would talk. And, you know, and it, there wasn't like a lot of structure to it. You know, uh, after we started, other channels started popping up and, you know, really putting forth you know, a lot better uh, content production. I would say we'd probably been into a couple years before that sort of happened. Um, the first one, that, like the year after we started, was WebDM. They came up on the scene and they had these really high production values. They were using multiple cameras. And we were like, wow, that's really cool. Like, look at what people can do. You know, it really, like, expanded um, the horizons for us because, like, seeing someone else do something and do it well, it, it uh, opened our eyes to opportunities that we didn't really understand were there. Because when we first started, we had an iPhone, external mic, and it's like then we eventually moved up to a webcam and a Yeti, uh, then the DSLR camera, and then we're like, well, maybe we can do multiple camera angles as well, and, you know, and eventually move to that. Yeah, and the other way you guys have um, really updated and expanded is you, you know, not just YouTube. You've you've grown into the the blog has really grown a lot. You're doing Kickstarters and conventions and and lots of um, written D and D content. How have you decided where you want to grow the the business next? Well, I think things kind of started with, you know, the, the Patreon account. Uh, you know, we had heard about Patreon you know, early on, and it was something that, you know, uh, was like, all right, well, we could create something there uh, just because, you know, we enjoy playing D&D, we enjoy making content for it. So why not, you know, open up things, you know, while we're experimenting with things in our own, you know, uh, campaign setting, if you will, uh, you know, we can make that stuff have it to be able to offer, you know, digitally to our patrons. So we had several years of, you know, let's build things over there. And that went through its own series of changes and iterations as to, you know, what the the levels were and what things we were offering. Uh, But, you know, in the, in the end, it showed that we, we have a, a formula, we have something, you know, that we can have that works. So we then started taking those things you know, several months after we put them, you know, or gave them out as patron rewards, we were putting them up on our website for sale, you know, so it was like, all right, well, you can get them through patron or you can wait and get it through the, the store direct. So originally when we started, we started with the blog immediately. Matter of fact, we may have actually put blog articles up before, uh, before we even, you know, had our first video up. So we, like, we always we always grew across multiple platforms, you know, from the beginning, you know, so all of the social medias plus the website plus YouTube um, with the, 
with YouTube, with the website, like we always knew we wanted to have something that was our own. The problem with social media, even Patreon, YouTube, any of that is you don't, you don't own it. You don't, you don't have any control there. So it was always important to me to make sure we had our own place on the internet that we could call our own, that we owned, you know, and could control 100%. Um, and, you know, from there, we've been really focusing on the website a, a lot more lately. Uh, last year, we brought in a full, at the end, we brought in a full-time employee, uh, Doug Vahovic, who runs the website for us. He, he does a lot of the content over there, as well as Ted and some other folks. Uh, he does all the editing over there. Uh, and as well as had mentioned, we make products that our patrons get, but then we, you know, since we brought Doug on, he actually comes from the newspaper world where he, you know, he would do layout and stuff. So he's, he, he does a lot of that for us. He's been really crucial in kind of like this next evolution of nerdarchy where we're really trying to get into doing more products and, and, you know, becoming a publisher as well as, you know, enter, I guess entertainers on YouTube. Yeah, and especially like you said, where you don't own any of the content on a specific channel by you're kind of diversifying your your portfolio there where if like if the YouTube algorithm changes and hurts you guys a little bit, it doesn't you know, you're not the only thing you're doing, so you can kind of move things around and switch your focus and and keep your audience uh, engaged across all your platforms. But I mean, not only is there the danger of you know, the algorithm changing and that affecting your numbers, which we've seen that happen multiple times in iterations of Nerdarchy. You know, we're literally going through another one now for whatever reason, and it's just part of it. That, but that's actually the least of my worries or concerns. Um, you see people get deplatformed. Uh, a lot of times they get deplatformed for good reason, but that being said, you know, you, you kind of are at the whims uh, of what whoever runs that platform, whatever their standards are. So anyone who's doing anything should always kind of keep that in mind. Uh, that's why I don't get mad when ch things change on YouTube and they're no lo they no longer favor us or whatever the thing is. I've I've always understood and knew that this platform doesn't belong to me. I am a I am a renter without a lease. That led us into, you know, wanting to be able to do our Kickstarter, uh, which originally started off uh, as a as a series on the website, on the blog, uh, and once once we got through basically a full year, you know, we began, you know, seeing like, all right, what does this look like? What if what if we turn this into a product? Uh, and you know, we began doing our work, doing our research, and it took a lot longer, you know, than we really wanted. Uh, but once we did wind up launching, you know, we we had uh, some some pretty uh, astounding success overall on Kickstarter for you know for our sake, for our opinions. Uh, I know there are definitely Kickstarters out there that blew ours out of the water, um, but you know, for a first time Kickstarter, we were we were quite happy with the results, and you know, we we continue to take orders regularly, you know, on the website now. Uh, so it, it's it's still growing. It's still happy, and you know we're looking to fulfill in a you know very short amount of time. Yeah, and what we're because uh, the the Kickstarter funded in forty eight hours or something. So what were the steps ahead of time to to prep for that kind of success? Well, step one 
take about five, four to five years of your life and create a moderately successful YouTube channel. <laughs> and that's a huge help. No, so, you know, definitely what we did was one, we, we, like we said, we always knew we wanted to build an audience and sell them something. We just didn't know what yet. We, we, we went in thinking and figuring we're, we would figure out what they wanted from us. And as we went along um, and got closer to actually launching, you know, the Kickstarter and doing products, we're like, well, what do we want to do? And we're like, well, we have this thing that's pretty much done and people seem to really like it. We really like it. Uh, we were able to then compensate the writer for putting in all their hard work and then take all this amazing art from uh, Kim Van Doon and put it in the product as well as maps from uh, Daryl T. Jones. Uh, Matt Click from Absolute Tabletop did the proofreading. Doug Vahovic did, uh, you know, the layout, the editing. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, put a lot of great work into this product that we're super proud of. And now, you know, it's kind of launched our first actual physical product and it feels really good to have you know that premiere product which we are we're scheduled to fulfill in july and we're we should we are running uh it looks like just about on schedule we hit some hiccups with everything that's going on in the world right now with the uh covid19 definitely has uh been been a little bit of an issue but i, I think we're still gonna be able to deliver on time yeah awesome and yeah um for the out of the box you're still accepting pre-orders for for those that missed the Kickstarter. Yeah, we're accepting pre-orders. People can can buy the map packs, uh, the digital map packs, as well as download the PDF as well. So over on the website, nerdarchy.com, the store, they can find it over there. And yeah, one of the things that, I mean, obviously the, the 48 hours is is an awesome metric for how successful it was, but I think the the real success of it was for the rest of the campaign, you guys had a lot of stretch goals and you were hitting a ton of those and and providing a lot of um, expansion. I don't know if you were prepared for it to go 48 hours and then you having to do a ton of stretch or if those were kind of off the cuff. How are we going to keep this going? I think some of it was, was certainly planned ahead of time. Uh, a number of other things kind of uh, came about as we were looking to, you know, uh, offer further expansions as to, you know, how we wanted to make, you know, make, make it a, you know, a, a bigger, better product. You know, we were, you know, looking, you know, we added the art, you know, we, we added, uh, you know, other, other things, just, you know, uh, the, yeah the, the, the dice that all of that just kind of like, Hey, well, what else can we offer? What else can we do? Uh, and, and we were, you know, we just kind of like let it let it let it roll, let it happen. Yeah, you, you, we had a bunch of them planned out because when we initially set up the Kickstarter to make the book we wanted to, it felt really ambitious for our first time out to be like we need sixty thousand dollars, right? So we we're like, well, maybe if we make a smaller book and you know we have to break it up over time, we'll do that. But we just took those and made it the stretch goals. To, to get to where we needed to, to make the book. And then we had some ideas after that. But yeah, like I would say after it started rolling, one of the tough parts kind of was, you know, what are we going to do for a stretch goal now? Because we still are only halfway through the campaign, you know, and then we had, you had to come up with some ideas and some things, including our top stretch goal, which was to actually do a convention. And, you know, we were supposed to be doing that Halloween weekend, of this year and we've had to postpone it until 2021, you know, with all the uncertainty in the world, we didn't want to add the uncertainty of a first time 
convention to that. So uh, also, I think the venue was happy to free up the space in October in case things kind of start calming down so that they could, you know, use those dates. And so now we have more time to plan an even bigger and better event. Yeah. And uh, uh, was Nerdarchy the convention a planned stretch goal or just kind of a, a dream that all of a sudden seemed possible once you started hitting these other ones? We always wanted to do an event. We always wanted to do a convention. And we had even t- like teased like some smaller events in the past. But now it looked like we were going to have a little bit of extra capital to work with. So, you know, we're like, let's do it. We're never going to have a better t- chance. And, and also, like, there's this so – internally, there's this idea for us of it's not just a convention. It was going to be, like, our version of a book part release party, right? So that, that was a big part of it, too. We wanted to have a big party to celebrate the Kickstarter and us bringing forth our first physical product into the world. You know, as Dave says, you know, it was, it was definitely a dream, definitely something that we wanted to do. Um, you know, going to going to conventions and seeing a lot of what's out there. When you talk about the gaming conventions, you know, there's very few that are heavily focused on tabletop RPGs. And when a new one, you know, tends to pop up, it's like, okay, you know, it'll be a, con- a gaming convention for a while. And, you know, then some board games come in and some more board games come in. And before you know it, it's 70% board games, just like everybody else. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we were, you know, going to stick to our guns and make a convention that was, you know, going to be and stay a, a RPG convention and, you know, have it dedicated to the gaming and the dice and, the, you know, everything else that, you know, people in this hobby love. And also with a little bit of a twist too, because one of the cool things that we wanted to do and, and are going to be doing is we're inviting all of our content creator friends. So like, you know, the, the event we've envisioned is this mashup between uh, VidCon and TwitchCon and a tabletop role-playing convention. So it's, it's very, at first it was very heavily, um, RPG YouTubers, but as we've kind of like grown with the hobby and the community, we, you know, we realized, well, these all, there's all these cool people streaming and doing podcasts and creating other types of content. So, you know, we want to bring them all in and celebrate what they're doing. And yeah, the other thing that um, I thought is really cool is giving all of those streamers and YouTubers and everyone um, a chance to run games for the convention goers. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because we want it. One, you know, like we, we had a couple of things that we wanted to do. One, we wanted to bring in these content creators and kind of treat them the way we wanted to be treated at conventions and maybe sometimes weren't. And two, we wanted it to be an opportunity for the fans to come and interact with their, you know, their favorite personalities. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's an understandable disappointment that it, uh, that it has to be pushed a year um, as, as most things are being right now, but I'm sure that's, that extra year is, is not going to waste with a first time convention. How's the how's the planning process been as as a first time convention runners? So that's been going pretty smoothly. I mean, one of the things we did was we understand that we have never run a, an event of this magnitude before, and we weren't going to try and learn it all by ourselves the first time out. So um, James Inercaso is a friend of ours. And, uh, you know, he's does Don't Split the Podcast Network, Tabletop Babble. Uh, he's written for Cobalt Press. He writes for Wizards of the Coast. 
Well, it tur- it turns out that his wife happens to be an event planner. Uh, so we brought so we brought uh, Bonnie on in order to help fill in those gaps that, that we have in our areas of expertise and knowledge to make sure that our fir- first event is successful and we can really give deliver to people uh, the quality event they deserve. So, I mean, yeah, what have been the, the big things that you've learned from that process uh, as far as what it takes to put on an event like this? All my numbers were off by like half <laughs> in the wrong direction for sure. Um, and just the, the logistics of everything, um, you know, Bonnie's been a godsend for it. And I'm not the most organized individual. So having someone that is very detail oriented and meticulous on board helps a lot. I mean, I tend to think more like big picture and, you know, uh, l- larger tactics and strategies where, you know, she was able to come in and really like focus, focus me on these small details that are super important because you need them all to line up for, you know, for the event to happen successfully and asking questions that I would never even have thought of. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and yeah, you mentioned, um, so you've, you've got the convention coming next year and you, you mentioned this being the first physical product. What are, what are the future plans for Nerdarchy? So we probably have our next like three Kickstarters conceptually planned out after that. Uh, right now, you know, we're going to be doing D&D products because it's kind of what we we know and love. Uh, but beyond that, who, you know, who knows what's what's going to happen. Um, the, the convention will probably open up a lot more doors for us as well so that we can maybe branch out uh, less, you know, less D&D oriented, more RPG in general. Yeah, we, we know when we did out of the box, you know, out of the boxes for the most part, uh, it's well, it might have some magic items and that kind of stuff in it. It is a DM centric product. Uh, so we know that with our next one, the, the player base is definitely larger of, uh, of D and D, you know, on average if a D and D group has five people in it, 80% of that are players and they're you know probably not going to buy a DM centric product. So we are looking to, you know, put out a next product that is going to gear heavily towards uh, the the player base and you know hopefully the, the the product that we're already working on and sorry i can't give you spoilers as to exactly what it is uh you know but ho- hopefully the, the players are really going to like what we've got to offer and uh you know only time will tell uh you know when we're gonna feel ready to be able to hit that launch button but it's certainly not going to be until after we get a filming happening for uh, out of the box and yeah, like you said, it seems like the convention will be a great time to uh, kind of deepen your relationship with some of the vendors and, and open up new ideas for collaborations with those and kind of see what the fans are really excited about and in terms of what's already out there. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we really enjoy about going to conventions and, and events is getting to connect with the fans. Uh, and a little bit of a low point for, for me is anytime I hear a fan go, oh, I, I wanted to come up and say hi, but I thought, you know, you looked busy. Um, and we always appreciate it when they, when they come up and, you know, even if it's just to say hello or whatever, sign a book, handshake, high five, hug, or, you know, whatever. You know, we appreciate all, all the fans because without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So when they when they do see when you do see us at an event at a convention, even if we do be, look busy, come over and say hi. If we really are busy, we will just tell you so, uh, and and that and no hard feelings. But we do love it when you come up and say hello to us. 
Yeah, to me, that is the, you know, that's that's the best thing for being at a convention. Uh, you know, we, we sit and talk about, you know, nerdy stories. So you guys get to hear our things. I, I want to hear your story. I want to hear how you, you know, found Nerdarchy and why you continue to watch. And, you know, we're, we're not hard to spot. Me, I'm even easier. When I go to a convention, I have a, a suit of leather armor with a Nerdarchy symbol emblazoned upon my chest. You're going to be able to find me easily. Uh, so, yes, please come say hi. Come come talk to me. Talk to us. Uh, it, it just it, it means that much more to us to say that, you know, look, we are important in your life just as, you know, our fans are important to us. Yeah, and it's nice to engage with people on social media, but the, the in-person events are where you really get get to know people and get an idea for for who you fans are. Yeah, I mean, we do so many live uh, live chats, and you know, we've done so many videos where you know, we've relayed personal stuff, you know, about ourselves. Uh, so, but it's really like a one way mirror. People get to to look in into our lives and see us, but we never get to do the same. And that's where the events come in. And you know, holding our own event, hopefully, we'll get to do that even more. Although I suspect we'll end up like working a lot and not getting to do it as nearly as much as as we'd like to. Yeah, and leave it to the the other creators to to get that experience that uh, you you built this for you to have. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, you know, we we love the D and D community and the RPG community, and uh, we've always felt that there's you know enough room for everybody in here, uh, and we love to collaborate with other creators, um, which we've we've done a ton of. Ted's appeared on quite a few stream games. Is currently on stream games. I've, you know, I built a collab channel that we ran for, I mean, I guess like two years or a year and a half, something like that with the oh, Saber Dice brand. What's that? I want to say like two to three years. Yeah. You know, we've been doing this for so long. Time just kind of like folds in on itself. And but yeah, Saber Dice was a, was a lot of fun. I, you know, I appeared on the season of that. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, currently I'm on a Thursday night game over on mini terrain domain, the Dawnbringers. We have a lot of fun over there, and it's a game full of you know people who are you know, rich in the in the in the industry. Um, yeah, so a lot, lot of lot of fun that that happens, and the, you know, the more the more connections that you make, everybody you know gets to gets to get lifted. You know, they say the rising tide lifts all ships, and that's kind of you know one of the way that we you know approach things, which is why you know our videos we don't want to take you know, the negative views. We don't want to be like, oh my God, let's, you know, let's nag on this particular, you know, you know, topic or content. That's, that's not our thing. You know, we want to, we want to, you know, promote positivity and, you know, look at things as, as good. Yeah. We're going to provide our general feedback, but we're never going to be like, okay, let's do a video and talk about how bad this product is. That's, that's not fun. Yeah. If we hate it, you able, it just won't appear on the channel. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'll I'll see a lot of comments um, on like anybody's stuff really, and be like, "Oh, you, you always like everything." And it's like, well, why would I talk about something I don't like? And you know, and as, as sad as it is, like you know, we've had you know people approach us for ships, you know, and they're either outside of you know where our expertise is, like you know, oh, do you want to talk about this video game? Uh, no, thank you. I mean, we both have played video games, but that's not our audience. That's not what we're going to do. And there's been products that we've looked at and it's like, all right, well, I'm not certain how I would, I would spin this. And I don't want to, I don't want to lie to our fans. I don't want to be like, Oh my God, this is great. And it's not. 
Um, yeah, so you won't hear us talking about those things. And, you know, uh, publicly, we're never going to say who those companies are or what those products are, because that's not good for business. You know, what, what, what does that do but grow, you know, and spread negativity? So that's no fun. And yeah, you were saying you like hearing how people heard about you guys. And, and I, I was trying to think, uh, how did I learn about that? I think it was Saver Dice, which is, it seems like those collaborations are, are a huge way to get, grow your audience and grow the community and your, your overall connection to the community. Uh, they, they absolutely are. And if people are, um, if you're looking to grow, grow any kind of business, really, anytime you can partner up, and help build bridges with uh, with others it's going to expand your reach it's going on, on both sides um and you know that can be tricky in itself uh you know sometimes people will try and do that and they they kind of overshoot themselves uh, and occasionally it will work but for the most part you need to like find people to collab with or close to your your own um, sphere of influence or you need to bring tremendous amounts of value to the other people. Um, you know, like Cody from taking 20, he was the one that originally approached us all about doing the Saver Dice project, which at that time it didn't even have a name. And, uh, you know, me and him decided to partner up on it, but he was a really small channel at the time, but you know, he was willing to do a lot of the legwork and people really appreciated that, you know, and, and so he he really did create Saver Dice by, you know, sweat equity. But, you know, you, if if you're going to try and do something like that, you have to just bring something of value to the table. You know, don't think about what other people can do for you. Think about what you can do for them, how you can serve them. And that's how you're going to build better partnerships. And just like a, uh, you know, an adventuring party where, you know, you're, you're trusting the other people, uh, you know, when you, when you do have a, a collab project, you know, you're going to form relationships just like you would uh, as the characters would in the, in that, uh, in that game. So you're going to build relationships. You're going to be able to, you know, you know, call these people, your friends, and, uh, that game that I was talking about on Thursday nights, like we consider each other family. You know, I've, I've been to several of their houses, you know, that have, that are a, a bit of ways away. Uh, you know, there, there's people that are further away that I can't wait to actually get to meet in person. Um, you know, we all look forward to this game because we all fit so well together. We all have so much fun, you know, doing this game. It's a, it's a massive stress relief, even when things are going bad for our characters. So it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And when you can connect with people, build these relationships, you know, out of game, outside of where you're rolling dice, even if it is across a, a purely digital platform, you know, then you've got, you know, someone who, you know, might be interested of like, oh, well, there's this other thing going on. It's not going to work out for my channel, but maybe for you. So like, you know, whether it be a, you know, a shared sponsorship or, you know, a shared, um, you know, uh, advantage or appearance, you know, if you all wind up going to the same convention, they can be like, hey, do you want to, you know, come on this panel and talk about, you know, this topic here? Because I know that, it, that it, you know, it suits strongly for you or fits strongly for you. So these things have the ability to, you know, open doors as long as you're willing to, you know, put in time and do it. 
Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, doing these, you know, whether it be YouTube or Twitch or what have you podcast, you know, all of these things, it takes work and you've got to be willing to put it in, but you know, these relationships are, are going to be beneficial if you're willing to work it as well. Yeah. It's definitely interesting how like everyone's playing a, you know, playing a character and going through fake scenarios, but you are like getting a, a much better idea of who that actual real person is and growing real relationships. So it's, it's definitely a lot of fun that way. Um, but you were, you were saying that, um, you know, kind of putting in that work and, and, um, Davey mentioned the sweat equity where like maybe some, some smaller channels might be intimidated to reach out to, to more established creators. Cause they think, Oh, what, you know, why would, why would they be interested in, in working with me? But you kind of, point out you know if you're willing to put in that work and and provide value that way you can um you can you can present value to to a group like that yeah and also like there's also like a right way and a wrong way to do that kind of stuff like oftentimes on social media is like new new creators are trying to build their brand and get exposure so they'll keep tagging larger creators which is the wrong way to do it because it's actually annoying, especially if what they're doing has nothing to do with what you're doing, right? So you know, they're just trying to glom on to the success that you had. And they're not actually adding any value. And that's the key. Whether you're talking about doing a collab and working with other people or even just trying to build an audience and a fan base, you, you always have to think about what value am I going to add? You know, even when internally we're having discussions about building things, um, you know, a question was asked of, you know, how do we build this thing or how do we make this better or what's this trick we can do? And I'm like, well, I think you're asking, we're asking the wrong question. The, the question you should be asking is how can we solve a problem for people? How can we help people? How can we do something that somebody needs? Right. You know, cause when you start coming up with those solutions, that's when, you know, that's when you're going to really grow and, and, and you're doing it, you're also doing it for a better reason. You know, nobody really cares about you. So if you, all you think about is what's in it for me when I do the thing, then it's going to be very hard to get anywhere. But if you start off by caring about other people, you know, that and being genuine, that's going to foster good relationships and, and goodwill towards towards you and what you're doing. Yeah. And if you're reaching out to someone like, oh, I think we'd be great collaborators because you have a ton of followers, not like I think our audiences could benefit from it and our like our voices actually sync together and can create something new. Yeah. That, that is a, absolutely a strong point. You don't want to be like, Hey, I just want to tap into your audience. It's, you know, look, I've watched a lot of your stuff. I'm a fan. And I think, you know, we've got a lot, a lot in common, you know, what about project X, you know, you know, if you approach it from that point, you know, it's definitely better than, uh, you know, yeah, can I, can I leech off of your followers? Yeah. So uh, your audience is mostly, you're looking at entrepreneurs that kind of want to like do nerdy stuff and turn their passions into uh, uh, passions and hobbies into, to businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, cause uh, one of the interesting things about the start of nerdarchy, I actually attribute um, nerdarchy being, uh, forum to people that aren't in nerdarchy to be honest with you i've always been a bit of an entrepreneur and you know i've loved studying business and, and things like that and and i've always 
tried doing things and without a ton of success. But one of my mentors in in those endeavors has always been like, hey, you should do something with Dungeons and Dragons. You're a dungeon master. And I was like, well, I don't really see, I don't see this going anywhere. I don't see that people would care about this. You know, so he really took, he actually had to work on me for a couple of years before, before, you know, between, you know, talking to that individual and my brother going, Hey, I'm coming back from Albuquerque. Let's do something. Then I was like, all right, I'll at least we'll entertain looking at it. And when, uh, you know, we first got to start, we started looking at channels like uh, Enca- uh, Encounter Monkey, Noah Atwiler. And that was like kind of inspiration. And we saw like, he had 30,000 subscribers. And that number was so gigantic at the time and huge. It's like, wow, 30,000 people care what this guy has to say about this silly little game. And, and it was like, I guess, I guess there is an audience. There is people that are interested in this stuff. Um, and I bring that up because when I used to struggle with, you know, trying to uh, build a business or start something, you know, it was super hard and I would get disheartened and eventually, you know, I would just get fatigued and it would kind of fail. It wasn't until we started Nerdarchy that I found something that I was like truly passionate about and I enjoyed doing it, whether we can turn it into a business, whether we can make it profitable or not. But that made it so much easier to keep going when things are tough and when it's rough because, you know, when we first started the, doing this, I was working in heavy construction and you work a lot of hours during your season when you do that. So I would like sneak work in from my phone sometimes, or I would get done work and be bleary eyed and not be able to see straight, but like try and get an article out on the website with all kinds of typos in it uh, because I can't even see straight, uh, you know, or falling asleep at the, at the laptop. When you have something that you really care about, you're really passionate about, it makes it so much easier to like push through those dark days and those hard times. You, know, you you can you can work a regular job and and be able to look forward to the things that you are passionate about but if you're if you're you know trying to get into an industry and you don't have passion and desire to you know live it breathe breathe it eat it uh, you know it, it might not be for you uh, you know pretty much I I have always been a nerd I I I've never hit, you know, never hid, hid the fact that I played D and D and you know did all of these nerdy things. Um, you know, and it was one of those things where, like nowadays, whenever I'm doing something that's not directly nerdy, my brain is, you know, taking what's in there and saying, "Okay, how can I use this in D and D? How can I use this as RPGs?" You know, it could be, "How are these characters relating to each other?" and and can I use that? You know, the, the major plot that's going on in this story or in my real life, how, how can I use that to make a magic item or to make a quest or an encounter? You know, my, my brain is like naturally doing all of this. And there are many times I'm like, all right, I got to pull out my phone or I got to pull out my laptop and I got to jot down these notes, you know, just to be able to use that at some point in time, because I think it's fun. I think it's good. Um, you know, so that's really where you, you kind of want to have to be. You have to be willing to be like, all right, well, I'm going to live this. I'm going to absorb it all in because if you're not willing to put in that much work normally, 
then you probably aren't going to have what it takes to make the the business work because you have to you know you have to put in more work than than you typically have hours at a regular job because your your business entirely uh, revolves around how much you build into it how much you work you are willing to give it you know it's not going to grow on its own you can't be like okay i started nerdarchy where's my money um why am i not wealthy yet it doesn't work that way you you got to you got to build it uh, you know, there are, there are channels out there who are bigger than us. There's, you know, people who have more influence, you know, we're not going to let that, you know, demoralize us. We're going to just, you know, keep working. We're going to do our own pace. We're going to do our own thing and we're going to be happy for ourselves and the other channels that are doing well. Yeah. After six years of this, uh, it's rewired your brain a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it's so much rewired to just, you know, like that's, I've, I've definitely had a more business mindset added you know that that thing that dave was kind of beat into me but you know you can't you can't beat into me more nerd and you certainly can't take the nerd out so <laughs> uh so someone in the rp uh, rpg industry told me if you want to become a millionaire um in this industry the best way to do it is start with two <laughs> yeah because it's definitely a lot of work and the odds of seeing a massive amount of success is very low. So if it's, you know, if you're just, if you've got the entrepreneurial bug and you're just doing it to, to be a business owner and kind of make a lot of money, there's a lot of easier ways to do it. But it's, if it's something that you can legitimately spend an extra, like, you know, spend all your free evenings doing, cause you'd be doing something related to whatever your nerdy passion is anyway then it has a chance of, of growing to something through those through those times where nobody's watching or nobody's buying or, um, you know, that, that time it takes a long time to, to get rolling. Yeah, I will say we did a, you know, quarter million dollar Kickstarter and most of that literally goes right back into making the actual product and then we hired a full-time employee. So, you know, basically quarter million dollar Kickstarter and it's gone. Uh, you know, is, is kind of how that goes. But, you know, the, the really cool thing about it was from that Kickstarter, we were actually able to employ a lot of people in the industry. They were able to get paid for their work. We, we, we paid better than a lot of other companies, um, which I was super happy, happy with. And, you know, even, and those pay rates even still need to come up even higher because this industry is a little bit low, uh, for what the people do. But, you know, we're hoping that, at some point we can be part of, you know, the engine for that change and get people with the, you know, the pay race they deserve and, and have a living wage doing something really cool. Uh, I think right, right now they're the two top paying uh, writing gigs in this industry is Wizards of the Coast, 10 cents a word, which my understanding is kind of low for, um, for writing, but not for this industry. It's high. Well, Matt Colville came in, busted a couple million in, and Kickstarters, and now he pays like 20 cents, you know, uh, a word. So maybe that'll push it even further, you know. And for the out-of-the-box writing, you know, we did, you know, we went with 10 cents. And hopefully, you know, the next project, maybe we can pay, pay even more. I don't know. But, you know, we want to see want to see people making good money doing something they love because we don't want the talent to leave the industry, right? Like Matt Colville left this industry for a long time and only recently came back to it as a publisher because he was doing like video games and stuff where you can make a lot more money. You know, he was doing his YouTube stuff, but he did it for fun. Uh, you know, now, 
you know, now he's, he's back because he, he was able to actually make a living wage and people want to have families and stuff and still, and still, you know, and still enjoy the things they, they do. And in an industry like tabletop rolling games, it's really hard if, you know, if the standards are, are too low. So hopefully, you know, they're going to come up and I, and I think they are. Yeah, and like I've I've talked to um, like Mike Shea and Guy Sklanders, and they've kind of said the the Kickstarter just funds the next one, and and it seems like the the most successful people in the industry are are just putting the one project into the next one so they can make it better for better for the fans, better for the collaborators, and and kind of rise up rise up the business that way rather than trying to rise up the profits. That's definitely a good way of looking at it. I mean, we look at uh, Monty Cook Games. I believe um, Shannon Germain. I th- I believe I was listening to an interview with her, and the way they fund their company is by doing multiple Kickstarters a year. You know, they do three, four Kickstarters for a quarter million dollars, and boom, now they can pay for their company to keep going. You know, um, I don't have an inside track on this, but my guess is whatever Kickstarter you're funding isn't. You're not really funding that project. You're funding the next one. You, you know, and that's how they've kind of built it so that. Monty Cook Games almost has like an old school RPG bullpen, bullpen, which is really cool. And they found a way to do it. And for them, it's like, okay, we need to have a bunch of successful Kickstarters throughout the year. So like, that's what we're all trying to do, figure out how can we do this and make it successful and lift up the whole, you know, the whole hobby and industry as a whole. Awesome. Well, yeah, this is, uh, this has been great guys. Um, where should people go to check out your stuff and learn more about you? Well, we made that really easy for for people. If you t- Google a nerdarchy or type it in your favorite social media platform, pretty much we will come up N-E-R-D-A-R-C-H-Y. So nerds and then anarchy, basically. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's good branding. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been uh, fun talking to you, Tim. Thank you. Indeed. There you have it, guys. My talk with Dave and Ted from Nerdarchy. I really got a ton out of this conversation with them and and really liked it. Uh, One of the things that I especially liked was them talking about building collaborations and the value of that and the, the way to do that correctly. And... I think that's definitely an important part of, of growing your brand and kind of growing your contribution to whatever corner of the geeky community you are a part of, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or cosplay or comic books. Kind of finding ways to collaborate and, and bring members of that community, including yourself, closer together is a great way to grow your brand and grow the community as a whole. Um, so I hope you guys also got some great stuff out of this episode. You can definitely follow Nerdarchy, nerdarchy.com and at Nerdarchy on all of your social media platforms. And I'll include links to everything we discussed in the show notes at underthecapes.com slash episode 71. And check out their new YouTube channel, Nerdarchy Live. And hopefully tune in this Thursday, uh, June 18th um, at noon Eastern to hear from me. And uh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. So until next time, guys, I hope everyone's staying safe. I hope everyone's staying productive. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast by Under the Capes. 
I hope this episode has helped motivate you to either start or grow your geek brand. If you liked the episode, I would love if you could give us a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to be listening from. And feel free to connect with us on social media, on Twitter at Under the Capes, on Facebook at Under the Capes, and on Instagram at Under the Capes Cosplay. Thanks so much and have a great day.